Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Hey there, Penn State fans. Blue White Breakdown, Johnny McGonigal, Bob Flounders. Johnny is back from the great city of Indianapolis. He spent a lot of time there this year between the Scouting Combine, Penn State, Purdue, some other things. So, uh, yeah, he's back. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about the Combine here. On t- uh, we're taping this on Tuesday at lunchtime. But, Johnny, it's, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting time because this time next week, very likely we'll be listening to James Franklin and his opening uh, news conference for spring. It's officially that time. Winter conditioning wrapped up last week. I was up there to, to see how Penn State's players looked, especially their young ones. It's an impressive group. They're getting bigger and stronger every time I go up there. Those, the freshmen don't look like freshmen. They look, a lot of them look like they're ready to go. Um, so we could talk a little bit about that. But Penn State was so well pre- represented uh, at the Combine, Johnny, with, with seven kids. There was an ex-Penn Stater, Zach Koontz, went up there and knocked it out of the park. So I think we just lead with that. You, you, you wrote a ton of stories. I'm glad you're, you came back safely. I think you did. How How is Indianapolis? Can you give the fans just kind of a little bit of a glimpse of kind of what it's like to try and cover the combine? Yeah. So, I mean, heading out from Pittsburgh, beautiful weather, no problem at all. You know, straight shot, five and a half hours, got there easy. Coming back was kind of a nightmare. Uh, you know, rainstorm, there was nasty cell coming through, uh, but made it back in one piece. And uh, I'm really glad to, to have been out there for the week. Uh like you mentioned, a lot of Penn State guys out there. Joey Porter Jr. being the headliner, the, the surefire first-round pick. But you know, Jair Brown has been rising up draft boards. You know, across the industry, across that community. Um, you know, potentially the number one safety off the board come April. Uh, and then you had a handful of other guys from Penn State: Parker Washington, uh, Brenton Strange, uh, Mitchell Tinsley, uh, PJ Mustafer, and Juice Scruggs in attendance. And uh, I talked to six of those seven. I uh, wasn't able to stick around for Juice on Saturday, but. Uh, talked to six of those guys. Also talked to Zach uh, Koontz, you know, former Camp Hill, Penn State uh, tight end. Uh, talked to Will Levis uh, as well. And, and I say talk to in that instance pretty loosely because, you know, there's a crowd of probably like 50, 60 people around, you know, Will Levis's podium. Everyone wants to ask him about, you know, are you going to be the first quarterback taken off the ball? All, all that kind of stuff. Um, but was able to sneak in a question about Penn State. And, uh, and you know, he gave a really good answer on that. But it was nice too to talk to Mitchell Tinsley and have like three people near me uh, because he's you know under the radar prospect, but really get into his season and to his one season at Penn State his transfer year and uh, so plenty of stories already up, still stories coming out on Penn Live and uh, yeah, it was an exciting fun week. Glad you were able to get up get get out there. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you did uh, have your hands full for some of those players. Who would you like to? Uh, you, you basically wrote about everyone. Who would you like to start uh, with? Maybe, maybe uh, as far as eye opening, or, or was there anything that really stood out? Either what they said, or kind of—I'm sure you're aware of some of the test results. Is it, I mean, 
any did anything change for you by the time you got to the Indianapolis from the time you came back as far as maybe where these guys might go, how they're viewed, what their confidence level is like? I mean, has anything kind of changed from your perspective? I don't know if, if much changes, but again, we also still have the pro days coming up. And in Parker Washington's case, I think that's pretty important. Uh, he didn't say whether or not he was going to be taking part in on-field activities at his pro day because he did not at the combine. And uh, he's still working back uh, in a sense from that injury that he suffered in November, missed the final three games uh, of the season. And so that's something to just keep an eye on is what the deal is with Parker moving forward. He's a top 100 prospect right now. He's among the top 10 to 12 receivers. And uh, really he fits a very specific mold, you know, slot guy. And, um, you know, I guess he's like five ten, five eleven or so. And, uh, he had a really good career at Penn State, and I think he's going to make some NFL team really happy wh- wherever he's drafted. Uh, I was looking back at last year's draft, and there were 17 receivers taken in the first three rounds. Uh, so if that's any indication, and as long as the medicals come back all right for Parker, you would expect him to fall in that range right? The, by the end of day two. So um, I think that's one to look forward to at Pro Day. The one in terms of the combine, just being able to speak with him and trying to get the sense of like how he's approaching the whole process uh, is Joey Porter Jr., uh, he, you know, he's, he's always been a very like jovial, laid back, confident kid. And that really came through, uh, you know, in Indianapolis, you know, calling him. So he said, look, I'm, I'm CB one for a reason. Uh, he feels like he's the best corner there. Uh, you know, we know from talking to draft experts and, and reading a bunch of, you know, whatever's out there that essentially he's within this top three, uh, corners with him, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon and, uh, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois. But, Talking to Joey, he's he's confident that he is the guy, that he is the number one corner in this class, and uh, it's hard to argue with him with the production uh, that he put up this year. And you know, he was targeted a bunch in Purdue, held his own, set records, and then teams looked away from him. Uh, so he put out a lot of impressive tape. And one thing that really stood out from that conversation, though, specifically with Joey, is something that I don't think had been out there before. I'm not sure, but. Uh, he said that he almost left uh, for the NFL draft after the 2021 season and that that was a decision that he was really mulling. Uh, but it was his parents that convinced him not to come out. Uh, he said they, they told him that he wasn't ready, uh, which was disappointing to hear as a son, I'm sure. And he acknowledged that. But at the same time, he knew that it came from good intentions. And his dad also his dad knows, right? His dad knows who's a first rounder, who's not. And uh, and he came back and proved on his craft. And and now he's right in that conversation. Yeah, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking, you know what, if Joey Porter Sr. was my father and he told me to do something, I'm going to do it. Like, you know, I mean, it's 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 just uh, and and like you said, he's a, he's an NFL greatest Steelers great and he would know. And it was I think it was the right decision. I mean, I don't I don't think I don't think Joey Porter would have been in the conversation to be going and maybe in the top 10 to 12 picks uh, in the 2022 NFL draft. I just uh, no one has really seen Joey Porter unless you covered Penn State or you're a Penn State fan or you hear the coaches talk about him. But to, to have, I think his arms are 34. I think they were 34 and his wingspan is, was like in the 80s. Then he goes out and runs a 4-4-6-40 at the combine and he's very comfortable in press coverage. Um, I know that there's a couple other corners that are really good and they could easily be QB1. It's It's really in the eye of the beholder, but... You know, I just think that Joey is going to be a guy that, much like he was at Penn State, very soon in his NFL career, you can just put him against the good receiver and not really worry about too much uh, on that side of the field uh, for the remainder of the day. I think he's he is a a plug and play guy who has a chance to even be maybe you know 
elite at that at that position. But to have those kind of measurables and be that quick and be able to backpedal, that I, there's not too many quarterbacks uh, cornerbacks I can remember with his uh, physical toolkit. No, and you know what? Penn State might have another first rounder too in terms of corners already on the roster in Kalen King. It doesn't have the same measurables and is a different player, but uh, really stood up well in man coverage, especially you know when you have teams not throwing at Joey Porter. Who are they throwing at? They're throwing at you, Kalen King, and, and he stood up really well last season. And he's a he's going to be a preseason All American at corner. And Joey talked about that. I went around every Penn State player I talked to. I went around and I asked him, who's the next guy? You know, who, who do you think is going to be the next one uh, that steps up in your position room? And uh, Joey went right to Kalen King and said he's going to have a really, really, really good season. He, he used three reallys, so you know that he means it. Uh, and uh, no, he, he, expectations are high for Kalen King at corner. And it was interesting, though, because when uh, when Jair was asked a pretty similar question, uh, he was just like, yeah, all of them. Like all, know, all yeah. of these DBs we're going to be talking about next year. And then there was a follow-up question, and uh, and it was like, no, but like if you could pick out one, if you had to put your money on one, and he just paused and looked in, he looked in the camera, he's like, all of them. <laughs> and so you know, he's confident in what the secondary has coming back for Penn State, and maybe this is a conversation for later in the pod or another time. But uh, they're going to have a lot of guys at this combine next year. Uh, they're going to have a lot of guys in Indianapolis, and you know, it's it's a good sign. It's a good sign for your program when you're this well represented, uh, really back to back years because they had eight guys last year. Um, I think they could match that or even have more next year. Yeah. Um, were there any interesting answers when you asked who's next? Or, I mean, I, there probably weren't too many because a lot of Penn State's young players stepped to the front last year, which is e- an even better sign for the program. But I was just, cu- I'm always curious about the guys that from the 2022 class that for whatever reason they were, they were targeted for a red shirt and they did red shirt, but the team, and the coaches really, really like them, but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been smart to play them more than three or four games last year because they were they were covered at that position. Were there any names at all that maybe surprised you, or you know, when you asked these guys, did, did they say pretty much the guys that a lot of the fans expect to be really good this year? Yeah. So in terms of the wide receivers, Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, when they were asked like who's the next to step up, both immediately said Keandre Lambert Smith. Uh, and it's funny because Parker talked, I guess this was Thursday at like 820 and how they how they have this for, for the listeners that they basically have eight podiums in this like big ballroom kind of area. And they're like, OK, these eight players are going out at 820 to speak. These players are coming out at 840. So Parker walks up to his podium. He talks for 20 minutes, leaves. And then Mitchell walks up and walks up right to the same podium and kind of walk past each other, it seemed. And Mitchell, when he said Keandre, I'm like, did you guys like time this up that you both said Keandre Lambert Smith? Is this kind of like a premeditated thing? He's like, no, no, just being honest. Like they're really confident in what Keandre Lambert Smith is going to do next season with more opportunity. And uh, they both pointed to the the Rose Bowl performance with that record setting catch. Uh, what a way to go into the offseason. But uh, I, I then pressed Mitchell on you know, just the freshman. I'm like, OK, well, you know, five guys signed in the 2022 class, you know, of that group. Uh, who stands out to you? And he said that the two names that came to mind uh, were Caden Saunders and Amari Evans. And just the way that they progressed throughout the season, the way they learned the playbook more, the way they just, you know, they felt more comfortable, uh, not only in the offense, but in the program, within the team, within their role and, and what their future role is going to be. So uh, I think those are two guys to keep an eye on. Um, Bretton Strange, his answer was Khalil Dinks, uh, Dinkins, Khalil Dinks, Khalil Dinkins. 
who you know had four catches last year, you know, played in a handful of games and uh, had that touchdown catch uh, against Ohio from Drew Aller. So uh, look for him to potentially be that third tight end that steps up because, you know, Brenton's gone. And he said, look, you know that Theo and Tyler are going to do their thing, but you know, Penn State, they play a lot of tight ends and there's going to be that third guy that steps up and he, he thinks it's going to be Cleo. And I think he was one of those workout warriors that got a lot of, I mean, they, they obviously like him. There's just all size and speed specimens. And if, it's just how quickly do they take to the coaching and, and get with the program. But yeah, Khalil's a guy that I think they're going to play three tight ends and he's he's next up. You, I know you like Jerry Cross too. We'll see. How, he's a little bit of, a bit of a bigger body, but the tight end position looks like it, they got that covered. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Just one note. It's not a big note, but um, so originally they had scheduled the the pro day for the 23rd. It's now going to be the 24th, which is a Friday. Not that it's a big deal. Did you get the sense, uh, Johnny, that a lot of these guys that were out in Indy will, will, A, I know that a lot of them will probably be at the pro day, but but a lot of them probably tested pretty well, and they might not want to do all the events. I'm just wondering outside, I wonder how much work they're actually going to do uh, once they get uh, back to State College if they're going to go to the pro day. And also, the pro day is going to be big, obviously, for a guy like uh, Sean Clifford, probably, and, and there's some other players, but it's just... Just to note that I think it is now scheduled for the 24th, but I just wonder how much they're going to work, and I'm real curious to see how far along Parker Washington is. I did see that he came back and did the bench press, <laughs> and he, put, he he did some good numbers, but yeah, his, his lower body's just not ready to go yet. Yeah, because when I asked him, I said, you know, what kind of workouts are you going to be doing here at the Combine? He's like, I'll be doing the bench press, and kind of gave like this little wry smile, like, yeah, like I'm like, you, you kind of know what the deal is. Um Again, we're not sure it, what the what the deal is going to be at his pro day. Uh, that's coming up now in a couple weeks, a few weeks, and so we'll see uh, where he stands there. Like a guy like Joey Porter Jr. who ran the forty, like he did. Like there's no sense in running a forty at your pro day. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a big one for Sean Clifford. I think uh, it, it's it's going to be a big day for those those really under the radar guys, you know, who didn't get invited to the combine and are just trying to you know, keep, keep the hopes alive a little bit. And you do see stories like that sometimes come out. Like guys not invited to the combine. Uh, PJ Mustafer was talking about how his brother, Sam, uh, who's been with the bears for a few years now, wasn't invited to the combine. And so that actually made him cherish the experience in Indianapolis more knowing that his brother made it without that, that experience, but um, just said like, Hey, you know, really enjoy this. And so that, that's where I really got the sense from all these guys is that they really enjoy their time in Indianapolis, you know, whether it was working out or, in your in Parker's case, not working out. Just even talking to talking to teams, talking to coaches and executives, and really breaking stuff down. And um, yeah, it, it was tough to get in questions sometimes. You know, to get all the details because you've got you know very specific you know 49ers blogger here asking every single player, "Have you met with the 49ers?" and and that's just not just that team. But there's you know there's there's all of that. There's some some wild questions being asked in those media sessions, uh, and we only have a certain number of time. But um, but yeah, excited to talk to them again, you know, at Pro Day because these guys will be available after that. At least they should be. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would think, and Johnny, you can tell me if I'm wrong, I would think maybe Mitchell Tinsley and Jair might take another crack at the 40 time. I think Jair ran 4.65, and I think I think Tinsley maybe officially was right at 
four six or something like that. Brenton Strange, I think, ran a four seven forty, and that at that size, there's absolutely nothing wrong with running a four seven. But he might he might want to take a shot at see if he can get somewhere in the four sixes or maybe not. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but you mentioned PJ Mustafer and. You know, PJ Mustafer is a football player. Like, you're not going to have to convince any team about what PJ Mustafer does really well. The tape is going to speak for itself. A, a two time All Big Ten second choice. And, you know, he does a lot of dirty work inside. But I, I was looking at some of his testing numbers, and I just think that uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure he didn't exactly help himself because they were not by any means good but i also think that he's the tape and how he interviews really i think and what they're going to ask him to do i i don't know like why they would ever ask a defensive tackle to run 40 yards i mean i just um to his to his credit he he did go through a lot of the drills but i mean i just don't think the drills are very reflective at all or the times the testing numbers are very the broad jump are very reflective of what pj mustafer can do for an nfl team yeah, specifically his role on the defensive line at defensive tackle because you, know, you saw like uh, Pitt, Pitt's uh, Kalijah Kansi, right? He's an undersized, you know, pass rushing defensive tackle who's you know burst off the ball and all that. Like that is so vital and important to what he does. You know, I'm not saying it's not important to what PJ Mustafer does, but he's a he's a space clogger. He's a run stopper. He, you know, just a you know, and he thinks he's more than that. Yeah, you know, and he, he talked about that too. Like he feels like he can do more than that in an NFL defense, but that's going to be his primary job is is absorb blocks and like free up the guy to your left and free up the guy to your right to go make plays. And it's a dirty job. It's kind of a grungy job, but it's one that I think he can play at the NFL level and he he can play. So yeah, I wouldn't read too, too much into those 40 times, you know, maybe some of the other, uh, the workouts, uh, maybe more so, but yeah, wouldn't be surprised if he, if he ran, you know, some more, you know, logged a couple more times at his pro day, uh, if he wasn't totally happy with what he put out there, but, um, but yeah, I think he has an NFL future. I think all these guys are going to get drafted. Like, and, and sometimes it gets to be a crapshoot, but you look at, you know, obviously Joey, Jair, Parker, I think Mitchell did enough at the NFL PA bowl. He got an invite to the shrine bowl. Like, I think he's done enough to be a late round guy, you know, PJ again, like I think he was projected as like a fourth or fifth rounder. Um, Juice Scruggs, I think has the tape to be drafted. And again, sometimes I guess, you know, when you get into the dart throw territory of the sixth, seventh round, you don't truly know. Um, but I think all these guys, whether, you know, I think they all get drafted, even if they don't, um, I think they're going to land with NFL teams and make, make a roster. Yeah. And juice can play center or guard. That's certainly going to help him. I think absolutely uh, get drafted. Any Penn state fans. I think we're always curious about Will Levis from the day, uh, from the day he left Penn State, he obviously uh, made a name for himself by playing at Kentucky in the SEC. Had a great year two years ago. Last year, I think the word was out. He was pretty beat up. His numbers really weren't quite what people thought they would be. But physically, I don't. I mean, he he's one of those guys that's going to be the first guy off the bus. Uh, pretty imposing looking athlete, and firmly, firmly in the top top you know fifteen conversation. And also Zach Koontz, to a lesser extent, went to ODU. He was a member of uh, James Franklin's 2018 recruiting class. Really like a high, high four, almost a five-star recruit because of some of the things he was able to do in high school. I think he was actually a little bit higher rated, believe it or not, than Kyle Pitts, if you really just want to go back and look at that. But those two guys, anything stick out with you, whether 
it was something that uh, answered. I know I don't think Will Levis did a lot of drilling, but Zach Zach Koontz won the combine, or if he didn't, he came close by running that four five five at six seven. Uh, I, I forget what he measured, but anything stand out with either Will Levis or, or Koontz? Yeah, so I'll talk about both, but you know, starting with Will. Um, you know, getting in a question to him and just asking him what he learned about his experience at Penn State because he's talked about it in the past uh, a little bit in terms of why he transferred and all that. But, you know, when you're there in that moment at the NFL Combine answering questions about being a first-round pick, you know, it's one of those situations where it lends itself to be reflective. Uh, And so I just wanted to know what he learned. And he said that he learned that sometimes, you know, things don't go your way. Uh, You got to put your head down and work. And he did say that, you know, he never gave gave up and, Every time he walked into the Lash building, he he did so with the mindset that he would be the starter. And you know, sometimes it just didn't, you know, it doesn't work out for you. But um, you know, he he also said that nothing but love for the coaches and the players there. And he even saw that too, you know, after the Rose Bowl and when Sean Clifford was breaking the records and stuff, like Will Levis was really supportive, you know, on Twitter and social media with uh, with Sean. And so I think they have a good relationship. And it's yeah, it's just one of those where it doesn't work out at one stop, but it does at, at another. And uh He's firmly, yeah, you said he's firmly in that top 15, if not top 10 conversation, because in terms of quarterbacks, you got Bryce Young from Alabama, CJ Stroud from Ohio State are like the clear number the one and two. And then you've got Levis, you got Anthony Richardson kind of in that next uh, in that next tier. So uh, we'll see where he ends up. Um, but yeah, Zach Koontz was interesting, too, because, you know, he, he has this long and winding journey from Camp Hill at the time that he committed to Penn State. He was the number one tight end in that recruiting class, ultimately ends up being ranked ahead of Pat Fryermuth, who you know, was in the 2021 draft. And so uh, you think of how much time has been time removed from where he was, you know, coming from Camp Hill to Penn state, and then, you know, having to transfer to old dominion and uh, feeling there was a connection there with Ricky Riney. He talked about how important that was uh, to his decision. And look, he put up over what, I think it was 73 catches in 2021, which uh, was second among tight ends in, F- in the FBS. You know, his production took a, a hit, Last season, uh, he only played five games with due to an injury. But yeah, like you mentioned, uh, the forty time was just ridiculous. I mean, it was a four five five, you know, which is second fastest among tight ends. Uh, also, uh, he became the tallest player uh, to record a forty uh, inch vertical jump since two thousand three. You know, he stands at six foot seven. So that size, that speed. I mean, it's a ridiculous kind of formula. It's a ridiculous, uh, you know, it, it, just what he has to offer. Uh, to NFL teams. And so, you know, I looked before the combine and ESPN had him pegged as like a, like probably a seventh round guy, like in the, in the two hundreds overall, I would expect that to, that to jump. Uh, he's not going to be jumping into, you know, the first or second round by any means, but I think teams will be, you know, well, you know, more willing to spend an earlier pick on him than they were before the combine. I don't think I'm out of line saying, you know, he's, he's, he's going to have to go to a team. That's a good fit. I don't, I mean, we talk about what the strides that Brenton Strange made as an all-around tight end, and and it, so did you know, so did Theo Johnson, so did Tyler Warren. I think I I, I think um, I think with Zach, you know, he is he's kind of uh, I don't know how much he can really help a team as a blocker or as an inline tight end, but he he is a guy that at six every bit at six seven um, is going to be a matchup problem. I think his four five five might have actually been exactly the same time that Gesicki ran. Uh, a couple of years ago, just to give you an idea of his athleticism. And I think Zach's other testing numbers were better, but yeah, 
Um, I mean, I think if you if you draft him, you're going to have to have a plan for him and how he can help you. And whether it's the red zone or whether it's in, you know, in a spread set. But I mean, you're not going to I don't think you go into the draft viewing Brenton Strange and Koontz the same way. And you don't need to because it it is it is the game is so specialized. It's a question of how can we use this uh, gifted athlete? So we'll see where he goes. But I'm with you. If he was considered seventh round going into the combine, he isn't anymore. Um, and when, when teams have a lot of those compensatory picks, you know, I don't know if you remember the Ravens had like five fourth round picks last year. That's, those are the teams that are willing maybe to, to maybe take a player earlier than maybe another team that's got a pick in each round. And those are the teams you usually, uh, you kind of usually, uh, watch out for, but we'll see, we'll see with, uh, we'll see with Zach before we go here on the blue white breakdown. Just wanted to pass along one note from uh, the weight training uh, period where Chuck Losey kind of talked about the team. Everyone, I mean, the, the strength coaches are the most optimistic coaches on the team. So everyone did well. And that's not really any big surprise. They all look great. I just wanted to pass along. Uh, so Jalen Reed doesn't have his arm in his sling. He was able to do a lot of the testing. He looks like whatever caused him to kind of uh, leave the Rose Bowl early. He look if he's not 100%. He looks like he's close to 100% for spring uh, practice, and that's just another big feather in the cap to Penn State's safety room, which is, despite losing Jair, is going to be one of the team's strengths. I'm excited to see what those those guys can do. Johnny, great work at the Combine. But at this time next week, by this time next week, two things. We're going to have, I think, some stuff to talk about when it comes to spring practice. But also, I would think, we, we purposely didn't mention this, but I would think by this time next week, we're going to know who Penn State's next defensive line coach is, correct? Yeah, correct. I mean, there was uh, there was a report going around over the weekend that it might have been Justin Hines uh, from the Chicago Bears, and I think Football Scoop had that. And then uh, it turns out on Sunday that he decided to stay uh, in Chicago and not take that opportunity. We'll see who it is. Uh, there's a very real case here that you know as spring camp approaches, it starts in a week. Uh, and I would be surprised if there's not a D-line coach uh, already in place. And uh, whether that's Deion Barnes or not, we'll have to see. All right, Johnny, take care. I will be in t- we'll be talking early next week about spring practice. And we're going to have a bunch of stuff, I think, or over the weekend kind of leading up to get, you, get the fans ready for James Franklin's. This is his 10th season, but technically, I almost wrote this wrong. It's not his 10th spring practice because the COVID year wiped out spring practice so i almost caught myself making a, a faux pas but it's, it's he's in year 10 but this is actually technically it's only his ninth uh spring practice but we will have it covered from stem to stern johnny good talking with you and we'll see you guys next week this has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by pen live <laughs>